Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck, a medallia company, and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer a certification program for CSMs and coaching for customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of The Success League. Today, Cairo Amani, a customer success manager for Lane, is joining me to talk about how women can promote their careers in customer success. And if you're a guy, please don't skip this episode. It's important to the women in your life that you understand how you can help. Cairo is a career coach and the co-founder of Thrive Network and founded a career strategy service focused on women. Cairo, I am so excited to talk with you about this very important topic today. Me too. Thanks, Kristen. I'm so excited to partner with Strike Deck again. You guys are uh, definitely have me as a fan. <laughs> awesome. Well, I always find it interesting to hear about people, how people land in customer success. What has been your career journey so far? Uh, I think... I think like everyone, it's, it was kind of an accident. I um, I owe my career in tech to a community management job I took uh, fresh out of college for a co-working space. And that introduced me to tech companies. And I fell in love so hard. Um, it was so awesome seeing folks my age or like a little older running companies. And they just seemed so happy. So um, I transitioned out of that role into CS. So can you share a little more with the audience about Lane, which is your current company, and then also a little about Thrive Network? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lane is a tenant engagement platform. Uh, it's like having the office building you work in at your fingertips all on your phone. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, I actually really love our product. <laughs> um, and Thrive Network is a professional development uh, network for women CS professionals. Oh, that's amazing. Um, how Thank would you. somebody find Thrive Network? Uh, so I, uh, we have a website called thriveincs.com and we also have a Slack channel that you can join when you hop on there. And that's the best way to stay connected, especially now. That's awesome. Um, so today we're going to talk about women and their careers and customer success. And as you and I were getting ready for this discussion, you mentioned that women need to curate their careers. What exactly do you mean by that? I view curating your career as uh, overall ownership of it and knowing that you get to decide what it is you want to do and that you can absolutely reach that goal if you're strategic about it. So it's ownership of your goals. Um, I would say that a lot of my you know, coaching style comes from having been in CS and, and also having recruited for a short time. Um, mm -hmm. Customer success taught me the value of strategy. So, I mean, 
we do data storytelling all the time. So we're curating data to tell stories. And it's very easy to use that those same methods to um, curate your career story, highlight what's important, and really put your best foot forward in interviews and on all of your collateral. That's amazing. Um, let's talk about how women can plan that career path. What does that involve exactly? Yeah, so I can break that into probably like three steps. Uh, one is brand, the other is application process, and maybe the third is mindset for it. Okay. Um, so I would say for brand, a strong professional brand is so key, especially in startups. They're looking for something bold. They're looking for something confident. They they want, they startups, when, you, when you're interviewing with them, they know that they're expecting you to come in and pitch yourself, which a lot of the times we as candidates don't realize it. So when you create your brand, you're defining your goals, your values and mission. You want to keep that consistent across everything, your social media, your collateral, how you talk about yourself. And then you want to find companies um, and roles that fit your goal, your values, your missions. We spend so much time when we're interviewing, like trying to make ourselves into the ideal candidate for a specific <laughs> role. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know we've all done it, right? And then you end up rewriting your cover letter like a thousand times. And the better, yeah. the better way to go about that is to be sure of who you are and then find companies that you resonate with. So that's brand. Um, and then I would say that leads into the application process. So in customer success, uh, depending on your product, you might work with like buyer personas and you should have a strong understanding of who your ideal customer is the same way you should have a strong understanding of like who your ideal like company is that you want to work with. So I like to work with companies uh, that are under like 20 people. Um, I've been like mm -hmm. the 11th, 12th employee, like that's my sweet spot. And yeah. I also know that I like to work with a product uh, whose mission like I really get while some people are like, I only want to work in ad tech or martech. So you need to find out like what, you're interested in and what your like job persona is and then just go after that job and then um you know i would say the last thing is really about mindset this can be very like difficult looking for a job it can be exhausting it's definitely a lot of emotional labor yeah. um i would say that you want to change your mindset about like failure and success failure is not the opposite of success it's just like a part of it and so in customer success again um, we, we experiment a lot. At least I know I've worked in a lot of B2B to C markets. And so I love hopping in with my customers and experimenting with their customers. And whenever it's time for me to go on a job search or if the job search is getting long, I start to try to think of it all as a project that I'm managing. Um, and it kind of removes me from the situation and, and uh -huh. helps me think about it more objectively. Yeah, I love that. I love that you have figured out that you're a startup person. <laughs> because I feel like there there are really sort of three kinds of people. There's startup people who really love that experimentation phase. It's fun for them. It doesn't stress them out. They love it. And then there's the people who love to come in and scale. And they're really good at figuring out how to put in super organized processes in place to get the company from startup phase up to maturity. And that's a different phase of the company. And mm -hmm. there's also insecurity and kind of change involved in that phase. And then there's sort of the management phase of the company. Like, how are you going to take it? And instead of growing exponentially, you're growing incrementally because you're in a mature company. I think those are three really different kinds of people. And totally. you're going to like one of those 
positions much more than you like the others. (laughs) And so like, I look at myself as I'm a growth stage person. I I don't like the sort of chaotic all over the place of the very early startup phase. Um, And I don't like the ongoing management part. I like that middle bit. But it took a while for me to identify that. And so it's really amazing that you've figured that out for yourself. And I think your advice is so great for people to understand which piece of that they fit into the best and what they enjoy. Because if you go into one of the other phases, you're going to be miserable. And I have done that. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you might have done that too. (laughs) Yeah, I was, I was going to say it looks, I make it look easier than it really was. But um, I mean, you have, you have the right idea. I can tell that you've also taken that time to like self-evaluate. And I, and I think we don't get enough time to do that. We don't give ourselves enough space to do that, but you always have to sit down and think about what you want. Yeah, you do. Um, so one of, that leads me to my next question. Um, you had mentioned as we were prepping that setting goals was really important. How does setting goals in your um, career um, progression lead to an increased level of confidence? So, you know, I, I had time to think about that since since we first spoke. And I think it's less about the goals and, and more about the strategy, because like really what good is a goal you can't hit. Right. So I yeah. think the I think the confidence comes from, you know, what your end goal is and then you have steps to get to it. I think the simplest example would be like when we as CSMs meet with our customers, we might be anxious until we have an agenda. And then the agenda gives us a guideline so we don't have awkward silences. So we're efficient with our time and theirs. And so that agenda allows us to be more confident because there's comfort in having a plan. So think of building a brand um, as like having an agenda for your career. You're being strategic about how you talk about yourself and how you tell your career story, which means that you're going to be calmer in your interviews. You're going to be calmer in your whole search because you have a plan and you also know your value. And the clearer you are on your brand, then the better interview experience you're going to have. So I like that you talk about the brand and Um, really you're almost productizing yourself as a brand. What does that mean to you and how do you think women should approach that? Yeah, I mean, that's honestly probably like my favorite thing, which is why you picked up on it. But I think it's, (laughs) I think it's so important not to walk into an interview, um, feeling like the victim, feeling like you're begging for something. When you walk into an interview, you've been called in because the employer has a hunch that, you have something they want. And it's your time in the interview to show them what that thing is and to give them a first look at what they're buying. And so I just want to assure everyone who's listening that a company when hiring is looking at you as a product. You are you're definitely a person. There's there's a beautiful like human awareness to startups, but at the end of the day it is business and you should also be looking at this as a business deal when you go into an interview. So you want to set yourself up as something that they want to invest in because that's what your salary is. It's an investment. And you also want to make sure that you walk into that knowing that they Um, that you walk into the interview knowing that they match what you want, what your goals are, and that that job is like true to your brand. And I guarantee you will have a much better interview when you feel comfortable and like you really want this thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I've read articles that talk about the fact that men do that very naturally, where they go into interviews and they brand themselves and they understand that they're not selling their prior experience they're selling what they can do for the company. 
instead of looking backward, they're looking forward. And that's what is contributing in part to the pay gap because they're being paid for what they think they can do, not what they've done in the past. Yep. <laughs> and so I think, I think that's really interesting and that maybe plays into this a little bit. What's your thought on that? I've heard that too. And I was going to say it, it always reminds me of the conversation about bragging. And I tell this to women all the time. So my clients are usually coming to me with things that we've all suffered from, like imposter syndrome. And they're very uncomfortable. (laughs) They're very uncomfortable talking about their accomplishments because they haven't even taken time to look at their accomplishments. And so men are walking into interviews, just bragging and like talking probably just out of their ass completely. Whereas <laughs> I, whereas I feel like we really hesitate when it comes time to talk about things we know we actually did. And that's, uh-huh. that's so difficult. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the key thing to walk away from that point is, is that like, one, bragging is not a bad thing, so it's okay to do it. But also, if you actually did the thing, it's not a brag. It's just you talking right. matter-of-factly about what you did. And so I'm an advocate of talking out loud to yourself, rehearsing for interviews. Like, when you create a brand and you write your pitch, say it out loud. You need a conversational pitch, and you need one that goes in a cover letter or, um, you know, on your LinkedIn header. Like, you need to be able to talk about yourself casually and comfortably because it's definitely going to show up um, when you're in an interview, it took me forever to be able to say, oh, I run two businesses without flinching or without feeling awkward. Um, and I think the more marginalized and the more intersectional you are, it becomes mm-hmm. more difficult to really own that. Yeah. You know, it was, it's really interesting. You say that I was in a, um, I was at a conference and one of the panels that I was listening to was a group of women. And one of the questions that came up for the panel was, um, and it was a panel of CEOs, female CEOs who all not only were running a company, but founded their company. And the question was, um, are, you know, how do you talk about yourselves when you're talking about the role that you have? And every single one of them said they hate calling themselves the CEO because it um, made, Mm. made other people feel uncomfortable. And that just made me so sad when I heard that because I feel like that's so wrong until those of us who are CEOs and are in those positions can say, I'm a CEO, it's going to continue to be a problem. And um, I was, that was honestly a really depressing (laughs) session for me. (laughs) I I found that really hard to hear because I, I think it is so important for women to say what they are and what they're doing because otherwise no one will ever get used to it. Yeah, I mean that's that's breaking my heart right now. Um and I and I really think that that is one of the reasons like we really started Thrive Network was to I mean we all know how many women are just CSMs who are just individual contributors and at the leadership level like everywhere else we get kind of left behind. And so it's been so lovely to have like women VPs and directors um yeah. you know speak at Thrive Network panels and like attend the meetings and chat with the folks there because we do exist um and we have to like stick together and like <laughs> help yeah I know <laughs> we have to stick together and like lift each other up. And so I'm hoping also that and it's in those moments where it's like the juniors and the individual contributors are also, you know, they're getting something meaningful from this. But I think that Thrive Network throws meetings where women are comfortable being like, I'm the VP at Alice and I'm the VP at Uber. And like, that yeah. really matters to me. That's amazing. Before we continue with the rest of this interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. 
Today, I'd like to talk about one type of consulting engagement we offer at the Success League. Customer success deep dives last between three days and two weeks and are focused on helping companies plan a customer success program tailored to their organization. Common deep dive topics include metrics and goals, hiring and compensation, customer journey mapping, and segmentation. Each deep dive session includes concrete deliverables, like business models and annual plans, that you can quickly put to use. If you need help with planning for 2019, a deep dive engagement is a great way to kickstart your efforts. Visit the consulting page on our website, thesuccessleague.io, for more information. I also want to mention StrikeDeck's new Customer 360 template. This free download is the best way to figure out if you're ready for a customer success tool. It is an automated spreadsheet that will help you keep track of all your current customers, generating an individual health score for each one. Quick reports can be easily developed through the Analytics tab, and tasks can be tracked on the Task Manager. If you're looking for a quick, simple-to-use, yet robust solution for your CS needs, StrikeDeck's Customer 360 template is the tool for you. Download your copy today at strikedeck.com. And now, back to our interview. So Cairo, earlier we talked about removing emotions from job hunting, and that is a really tough one. I think job hunting can be a very emotional process for women, um, for anybody, frankly. <laughs> How do you remove that emotion from something that represents such an important life change and potentially has financial implications for people? Yeah, um, it is. It's not easy, um, but yeah. I think there's there's a few tactics that I encourage. I think the first one is the biggest one, which is evaluating whether or not this truly is a life change. I think sometimes when we're switching jobs, we just we at least and when I say we, I mean like Americans. We're in a capitalist country. We're like yeah. built to think that our jobs are everything. But sometimes, like when I've been working with clients and I and I dig a little deeper, I'm like, well why do you want this job so bad? And it's usually something that has nothing to do with the job itself. It's like, I want to travel more. And then when you look at it that way, it's like, well, this isn't the only job that can help you travel <laughs> more. And so, yeah. you know, but sometimes you don't take the time to think about that on your own. So you really do have to evaluate like whether or not this is as huge of a deal and like what you actually need to be happy. And, and I didn't making sure you identified the right goal, I think is like key here. And then you also, you want to broaden the goal, right? So I've worked with folks who know, you know, I want to work for Slack. And then you ask them, you ask them why, and you realize like they could get that at any big name. Um, and it's usually stuff that they like didn't realize was so common, especially if they've never worked in a, in a startup before. And so saying you want to work for Slack is one thing, but saying you want to work with a team productivity tool or a communications app is very different. And so you don't want to pigeonhole yourself in because that puts more pressure on you, but you also want to be realistic about your needs and your wants and what the market looks like and what the reality of the situation is. I think that it's so easy to just kind of get caught up in um, in your own head when it comes to looking for a job. And then that being the big thing, I think that um, some other items that can make this easier and less emotional is like looking at the hunt strategically um, and treating your applications and interviews like puzzles to solve. 
Um, and then the last thing is like, always try to figure out like where your emotions are coming from. Like, are you stressed out because you're rewriting your cover letter and your resume all the time? Then like, maybe you need to strengthen your brand. You know, is, are yeah. you, are you bad with time management? Then maybe that's what you focus on. And if you're able to alleviate like certain stressors, you'll find that it also becomes less emotional and like less stressful for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think these are all really good tactics. Do you think some of those could help women who are currently in customer success, which is a really stressful job sometimes, do you think these tactics could help them reduce the emotions that are just a part of that day-to-day role in our field? Oh, yeah. I mean, all of my coaching is kind of inspired by the way that I've operated in customer success environments. And so I think strategy always just teaches us to assess, right? That's the first that's the first step in creating a strategy is like, where am I? What's going on? What kind of plan do I need? And I think we often skip the assessment of ourselves. Like, I think we think we're checking in and sometimes we're really not. And so, so for example, if you have a bad run in with a a client, don't let it like ruin your day. It's part of the job, but dig deep into why it's upsetting you so much. If it is, you might find that your real concern is like job stability. And then you have to think, did that one call make me think my job was unstable? No, I've had several run-ins with my manager or like, I feel like I'm behind in my product knowledge. And then you tackle those things, meet with your manager, go figure out what it is you don't know about the product. Like try to be proactive instead of getting consumed by the feeling, but it can be really hard to not get consumed by the feeling. And that is where I think if you're already a CSM, you need to think about, um, you know, what you would say to your to your customer if they were getting too wrapped up, you would probably draw them back to the account plan that you've made for them for that. So you yeah. have your own account plan. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to add on to that, I think the planning component is absolutely, at least for myself, what I have relied on to reduce my own stress. Like if yeah. I'm working with clients and I have a game plan for how, how I'm going to tackle my time how I'm going to work with my clients. You know, you can even plan tough conversations that you need to have with people in advance. When you're going into those situations and you have a game plan for them, it always takes a little bit of the stress out of it. And so that, you know, taking a few minutes to plan what you're doing makes a huge difference, I think, in your emotional health. In a yeah, tough totally. job like that. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go to the guys for a second. How can the men in our audience make career progression and development easier and better for the women in our field? Um, yeah, I'm so excited about this one. Um, I, would, I would say the first part is to um, is to educate themselves on it, on like institutional privilege and the state of women mm-hmm. in the U.S. And there's a great website for that called statusofwomendata.org. And you can just hop right on there and download a report that tells you everything about a woman's life in the U.S. from like work to financial planning to family. Um, and it breaks it down by race, region, all of these things. Um, I think it's really important to always start with education when you're trying to do something new. Um, and then I would say and I feel this way about all diversity. You have to be very direct about it. So I'm a fan of affirmative action. If you're a person who's in, if you're a man who's in leadership, like once you've educated yourself on on the lack of privilege that women have in a lot of cases, then you'll understand why it's important to be able to give a woman a leg up in order for her to be on an equal playing field. Um, and then I would say in general for people who are in leadership or who aren't um, 
there's little things that really change the culture of work for women. So if you lose your, if you use your male privilege to like uplift a woman's voice in a public space, like I agree with her, she makes a good point or choosing to partner with a woman and being vocal about acknowledging her skill or knowledge. It sucks that it matters so much to have like a man's voice in there, but it's also important to know that that's a real thing and to then use that privilege to make it better for us. Yeah. I love that. It's a great suggestion. Um, Let's say there's a woman in our audience who wants to progress their career in customer success. How would you recommend that they get started? What's step one? I think that um, they have to assess their skills. It's It always starts with, with assessment. Um, yeah. Assess their skills that they had. If you're already in the role, it's I think it's a great look to figure out what you started with and what you've gained since you've been on the job. Um, and this is all information that you would like bring to your manager who hopefully has your back when it's time for you to improve. Um, you want to take a look at all of your client-facing work, all of the projects that you've done, all the trainings that you've given and really evaluate them. So it's assessment and then it's evaluation, which I think is really important. It's important to be honest with yourself. So do it in private. Like you can do all of this stuff before you talk to your manager so that you can be honest with yourself. Um, And then all of this talk about branding is not just to get the job. It's to help you continue to excel as an employee. So if you've been in a job for a while and you feel stagnant, it's possible that you never even created a brand. So you have no direction. But once you have a strong brand, you know what you came on to a team to do. And you will always be able to self-direct yourself and even direct your manager in terms of like what you want and what you need for your end goals. So if you don't have a strong brand, you definitely want to do that. And if you haven't had time to sit and assess your progress and your skills, then you definitely want to do that too. Yeah. And I would add, don't be afraid to bring this up with your leader. Um, I think some people are nervous about sort of broaching this topic with the leader that they have. And that person's part of their job is to be there and listen to what you have to say about your own career path. And they may not be able to do anything about it for various reasons, but, you know, (laughs) at least be brave and bring it up because then you can say, hey, we've talked about this before. And I think it's important to have it be a part of regular discussions with you and your manager. Oh, 100%. I agree with you there. I do think it's just important to take some time if you need it to be with yourself and your truth and then bring it to the manager. Yeah. Yeah. Get get to know yourself first and then go to your manager. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last question. And it's the one that we ask everyone who joins us on the podcast. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? Um, I think for me, it's been cross-departmental collaboration. I've been watching this like... um, grow over the past few years uh, from the pro- from the conversation of CS and sales, CS and marketing to CS and product. And over the past few years, I mean, we all know we're in a niche uh, kind of field and customer success is a new field. So I think like we've been watching businesses understand our value more and more. It's, it's mm-hmm. still got work to do, but I think part of understanding our value has been getting us involved with more departments. I know that has enriched my career and I think it's getting more popular in terms of how leadership is, is running things. Very cool. And I'm going to just like do a little moment of self-promotion here for one second. Um, <laughs> I actually um, built a Udemy class about that recently. Oh, and awesome. so there's a class on Udemy that um, if you look up Kristen here on there, um, it it is about cross-functional leadership in customer success. 
and how you can, how you can in a very practical way, engage with other teams in the company and kind of get to know what they care about and what drives them so that you can have better engagement across the organization. Um, so that's awesome. Little moment of self-promotion there. Um, let's do it. (laughs) Brag, Kristen, brag for the audience. I'm going to brag. I'm in a Udemy (laughs) class and there you go. Um, so go look for that on Udemy if that's an area that you struggle with. Um, Cairo, thank you so much for your take on career development and your really practical tips for women who want to move forward in their customer success careers. I hope that the guys in our audience also took away some tips for themselves, as well as some ideas on how to help the women in our field progress. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Thanks, Cairo. I appreciate you having me, um, and it was great uh, speaking to your audience. If anyone wants to connect with me, please check out my website, cairo-amani.com. Right now, there's a free guide for improving remote work experience, which I know is a shared experience (laughs) with a lot of us, um, and I'll also have classes coming out in the spring. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.